You're listening to Dialogues on 3CR Community Radio. Every Wednesday night at midnight. You're listening to Dialogues on 3CR, 855 AM. I'm Meg Kimber and I'm joined in the studio by spoken word artist and musician Soretti Kadir. So on our way here today, both of us, like coming from opposite directions, <laughs> <laughs> met the same obstruction in the tram works. Yeah. So the bus, they were like, oh, so buses running from, I was at Parliament, you were at Clifton Hill. Mm-hmm. And we were messaging and you said, I'm looking at everybody around me and everybody is <laughs> stressing. Because <laughs> I thought it was that moment where I got your message and I thought, oh, um, you were like, I'm stuck because I, ha- I have to get on a replacement bus. And I was like, you must, we must be standing in the same That's place. what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's pretty awesome. laughs> yeah, because I was worried about being late. And then, yeah, and then that just happened. Okay, this is this is really interesting yeah. that we're both going to be late one, but we're both late for the exact same reason. <laughs> I think you learn a lot about someone in, in those kind of spaces. I was like... Yeah, you definitely do. Yeah, I feel that way too. Like it was when it happened, you have this choice, this almost like an opportunity. Opportunity mm-hmm. is a choice of how you respond, and that response is going to have this flow-on effect into what it is that you're doing afterwards, how it is mm-hmm. that you're feeling afterwards, mm-hmm. and how we were talking about how in that moment being stressed seems like the most productive, most mm-hmm. appropriate way to react because this is not supposed to happen in my day-to-day. Um, there are times when it's a lot easier to step into that and, and and really live that and times when it's not, it doesn't feel right to do it like that and mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is conditioned. Yeah, it makes me think about like, I was thinking the other day, do we kind of fear happiness? Do we fear what it like means to be happy like uh-huh. is this does this make me a bad person to in the world that I live in I, I see the news I see what's going on every uh-huh. day uh-huh. and if I'm choosing to be happy is this say something particularly uh does this mean my character is inconsiderate does this mean that uh-huh. I'm um I'm not observing yeah what's going on around yeah. me and what's going how many people are hurting in one time it's a really good question one that I struggle with as well mm. yeah but what how do you what's your reflection on it brought up for you um that is part of this conditioning that is in favor of a system that constantly is capitalizing off and man- exploiting our our humanness, our desire, our sense, our going between emotions, just who we are as beings mm. uh, for us to constantly need it to make us happy. Capitalism particularly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to constantly need to be validated by um, media or you know, feel told when it is safe to do this or not safe to do this, who to trust and who not to trust. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's it's I think that to be happy is not to be ignorant about what it is that's going on around you. It's to be so aware that the most valuable thing that you have to offer on this planet comes from a place of you being able to function at high enjoy in in the things that you love. Like there's no shame in having found that in yourself or constantly seeking that in yourself yeah, and not from our side. And so do you feel like that drive that's a human drive to seek happiness mm. is co-opted by capitalism? Yeah. And then it becomes like something that we doubt about ourselves. Like is this selfish of me to chase after happiness? Is it unrealistic and unfair when other people mm. seem to have no – don't seem to have the option – to chase after happiness. Mm. I think the the co-option that's occurred has obscured for us even the knowledge of the resonance of what it feels like to be happy. And we we don't we don't know like I think our bodies go through 
a real resistance when we start to identify happiness with something that is within us than outside us. Hmm. And I think this is the work that capitalism has done is to keep us constantly um, like empty so that it can be the only thing mm-hmm. to fill us up mm-hmm. and constantly waiting for the next thing that mm-hmm. is to fill us up. Mm. And I think uh, I don't, you know, how people say about um, those that are living in the global south, those that are living in destitute conditions, people often observe them to be the happiest or those that have the least to be the happiest. I think there's even layers to this observation. Mm -hmm. But to take it into this context, if we could define happiness as an acceptance in a moment that everything is as it is supposed to be, Mm. this is completely counteractive to what capitalism teaches us about our lives. That we have to keep moving for the next thing. Everything is not as it's meant to be. If you're still for a second, if you take a minute to look around you and not like being in this in this uh, tornado of thinking and thoughts, mm. then you're not participating actively as a, as a citizen of this world. You should feel ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's true. There's a real sense of shame when people make choices mm. that that step you out of that. For myself, coming to 3CR, um, throughout this time, I've been looking for work that would provide me with an income. Mm. And this has gone on for a long time. And it's a really interesting, it's been really interesting for me to observe how my sense of self is affected mm. by not... Um, feeling like I'm engaging with production um, in the way that I should be, mm. in, in, in air quotes, in inverted commas, mm. um, and, that, and observing that that time has actually been a time when I've um, had the most amount of creative output mm. that I've ever had and experienced the most amount of creative collaboration that I ever have. And the most sense of um, satisfaction and personal, like, integrity and alignment. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And um, that feeling of shame is very um, conditional upon my environment. For example, when I'm here at 3CR, I don't feel like I'm one of those people that's just, like, not getting their stuff together. Mm. I feel capable and Mm. and but when I'm out you know looking for work applying for jobs dealing with Centrelink um or doing temp work and trying to explain to people you know why I'm not in a full-time job right now then I feel like I'm just pushing up against a different reality Mm. yeah do you feel like actually let me just tell you what I what I feel from what you said I'm just gonna ask you (laughs) it sounds like in one realm of this existence you have to constantly justify why you have the right to be here and then in the other realm when you're here there's no justification Mm. of your existence you are enough and what you have to offer just as who you are is being valued Mm. Mm. I feel like that in in the in the midst of a creative process Mm. when I'm writing or um working out a collaboration with other people, playing music, mm. um, then I feel I don't question why I'm here. Yeah. But I felt, I feel like for myself it's a hard, it's been a, a real journey and a real effort to, to justify doing creative work. Yeah, and I don't know whether that's just me. And I often do ask other people who do creative work, "Do you feel guilty about it? Do you feel like it's indulgent?" And yeah, I used to uh-huh. when I first started. I didn't even think I knew that that's how I felt, uh, but uh-huh. it was definitely 
there and I saw it manifest in ways of, oh, I need to, it's a side thing. It's just, you know, it's a hobby that I do. But really what I do is, you know, I do, I don't know, like I'm a speaker or I'm a community organizer. Like this has more rigor to it and this has more structure to it. Mm-hmm. Um I can also see, you know, what you spoke of this environment and how much it affects how you view yourself and how you consider your creativity and its value. Mm. Mm-hmm. Historically and traditionally, Oromo people, people that I'm of, um, indigenous people of Ethiopia, have practiced art in mm. various forms as means of cultural keeping as means of passing down story just even expressing spiritually very deeply song has been a big part of who we are but mm-hmm. this this uh this migration experience and even just the introduction of of capitalist thinking and capitalist way of life before even the migration took place has devalued in our own eyes what it means to be an artist within our cultural context and this i think many people even of non-migrant background can identify with where your folks are like but where's your real job though mm-hmm. we're trying to we're trying to, um, you're an artist you can go pay in your room but mm-hmm. when you come out of your room <laughs> let me see you going to a real job <laughs> <laughs> yeah this has been a constant struggle <clears throat> me and my family mm-hmm. um and it's been it's very. It's been interesting. Like they've been supportive when they have seen production come out of this creativity. When I released my first chapbook, mm-hmm. it was really like, oh, all hands on deck. Mm. And then after that, you know, I think the the image that that people have of when you release a book, if you don't really know of this process of you know what what it means to be a part of a poetry community or any mm-hmm. arts community and release work, it's it's not a shot up from there and that's it. You're good for life. You know what I mean? You <laughs> yep. gotta keep doing it and keep making work. <laughs> So after that, it was just kind of like back to the whole, back to the, you know, and I don't get as much, um, like there's not much vocalized anymore because it's become really clear three years in that this Mm. is something that I'm committed to and I'm going to continue to grow in. Mm. But I see the mentality of you're not, if you're an artist for practice, you cannot be valuable to society, but also how are you going to provide for yourself? This comes from a real deep place of love mixed in with fear of I know this world is ruthless and I know that if you're not offering this world concrete skill and information, ability to create and produce information and you're not working really within this system, mm-hmm. I don't know how you're going to survive and mm-hmm. I just want you to be able to survive. Yep. Um, yep. So it's, yeah, it's it's been where I'm at right now with that question um, is... I see uh, us in our creative state, human beings in our creative state, as most connected Mm. with who we are Mm. and with what makes us where, which is we're spiritual beings and we come from a source of, that's indescribable, may I not give it names right now, you know, Mm -hmm. of all names, of all beauty and of all truth and is just, is, is always giving to us, is, to always in the cycle of evolution and of creation and to be able to co-create with that as creators here Mm -hmm. is the highest honor you know Mm. in my heart and I feel Mm. like there's we have done we are doing great resistance by committing to this love that's truly what we're doing and we're speaking such truth through this love Um, and it's you know, it's a mediumship. It's it's we're really surrendering ourselves to something far greater than us, to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and what we're capable of together, mm-hmm. which is far greater than us. Mm. My hope and uh, vision for this program, from my point of view, was to kind of ex- very much explore that intersection point between something that people might refer to as spirituality Mm. or religion, depending Mm. on if people identified that way. But this concept of what you're talking about in terms of collaboration and looking towards something bigger than our individual selves Mm. 
and using that as a um or recognizing it as a type of resistance mm. you you make me think of a uh, something that Audrey Lord said self love is an act of political warfare yeah and i think i think it's I'm sorry, could you repeat your question? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't ask a question, okay, but well, um it, if, if there was a question there, I think it's um are we seeing a new way of people relating to issues of mm. um justice, mm. social, environmental, uh personal justice, um politics and identity. Mm. Um is there do you feel a possibility do you do you see other people working in this way yeah of this intersection of creativity and um thinking of different ways yeah not just pushing back against what exists but in having a vision for a different type of relating yeah yeah i think i'm seeing both mm-hmm. happen at the same time mm-hmm. that's a really beautifully articulated question mm. as well this this idea that in order to be to be justice minded it doesn't always have to be in reaction it actually doesn't work in in true heart in just in reaction to what is i think that's yeah it's a beautiful way for us to begin to understand what a way forward could look like and what we center mm-hmm. in that way forward mm. i feel like i see both because i feel like the fear is heightening and people uh embodying love ethic in the way that they are putting together language to understand their right to be here and to understand how this right has been violated mm. by everything that the system that has been created by white supremacy by capitalism by imperialism mm. but i think that in there is still space there are many spaces across the world here across the world where there's still a fear of considering what redemption looks like in that love ethic and mm. because and forgiveness looks like in that love ethic mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what these things may compromise as we articulate our right to be here and our right to exist here Mhm. Um. Mm. And I f- I feel like th- that's where the division still is like and the division is actually getting wider there. There's a, a deeper call for um you know and and so rightfully so like not long ago I saw a friend that I haven't seen in a long time. We've known each other since we were kids but haven't saw someone I've had a long relationship with. It's just when mm. I see you, I see you. Mm. And Homie was fired up with so much heat and anger towards this system mm-hmm. and was really like with truth and honesty in his voice, mm-hmm. nah, it's already, we can do segregation. Like the society, that could work for us. Mm. And this man is so justified in the experience that he has had and the experience that he has seen so many of his community go through to believe mm-hmm. that this is going to be a solution that is going to give people the opportunity to live lives of peace and love and we, i used to be of this belief myself mm-hmm. and many of the greatest thinkers and activists have been of this beliefs beliefs been of these beliefs themselves mm-hmm. and i feel like there is a re- reemergence of that kind of urgency in our time now mm-hmm. but i also feel like we're learning to articulate to each other mm. that that's not necessary for us like we can really confronting fear and bringing truth to power is not saying because you hurt me and you hurt my people and you did it in ways that words can't even begin to describe the pain it's going to cause for generations mm-hmm. go there and don't come near me i feel like mm. the real 
truth to power and the real dismantling of fear thinking and of fear projection is going you did this and you're responsible and we are all responsible and even though it was not your hands you need to come and think about what this responsibility looks like for you and your generation mm. being able to to articulate this to each other and see that we have the responsibility to articulate this to each other because we are all here together you know mm-hmm. we just we're on this planet together yeah i think that this is really it's a real i think that's the real not giving into fear because mm. my brother was describing to me that the opposite of of what he was suggesting means that we're still afraid Mm. you know and i i hear him but i really believe mm. that this overcoming of fear comes in going i'm going to see you for exactly where you are even if that means that that place is still a place of denial mm. of what is going on and of what your responsibility is and then your responsibility is in my opinion really no larger than mine it's to see your life as a practice every day that is connected with the practice of every other person and of our progress together. Yeah. And there are because of privilege, because of this system, there are people that have gone their lives and generations of families of their lives dormant to this responsibility. Mm-hmm. In their hearts and minds have no idea that they actually live connected and live in purpose and live in responsibility. Yeah. Now if you were to see that, would you not live your life with the sort of you know me and you, when we had this incident today, there was this dialogue inside us that was trying to understand. Mm. Maybe this was not connected to how we're going to free this, uh, this country of ignorance or this world of corruption, but mm. it was a dialogue that was trying to practice better so that next mm. time we could be better. Many people are not awake to this dialogue within themselves, you know, and it's this privilege that has said, you don't need to be here, have mm. everything that you need in this world. Mm. Don't worry about asking yourself any questions, homie. <laughs> let's take a break for a minute we'll have a think about which of your poems we'd like to share with the audience awesome okay So much weight on shoulders that couldn't speak like us So we thought they couldn't feel like us And you could say that this was ruling for slavery Premise was wealth but mandate to inflict hell Was this imagined superiority And I'm thinking now if we locate this train of thought And the tracks it treads in all and unhinged its wheels For more could we build station enough to call an end to the mayhem The masculine defined days end And I'm fluid like the waves bend Accepting my fire's flame sent in every direction And the riots are only reflection of the hate these powers make us feel Children living off single meals a day Babies in cages because they feel enslaved Because you never stop trying to make power out of pain And it's a feeling out of vision And a love for your people And a love for yourself 
we used to pray by the altar when the rain would run scarce. And now we run to the river when the heart's about to tear. My people are a refuge. Our way of loving is a refuge. These days I feel more broken in the ribcage with all the breathing I'm sinking into to keep calm I salute my legs for still believing in my being in all these places as importance I take vigorous note of my morphing into the imaginations of all these people And I feel sick in the morning You cannot tell me that such a cycle You cannot tell me that a cycle such as this one Will not grind at the core until I only feel dust And it seems I only fear trust And the sequence of sounds inside and around That make it clear as the teardrops that are wrung out of me That what I fear is only truth And why I fear it, it's cause it's hard to prove in the world of what is known But I am here and I have lived and I am asking Who am I? And through the soles of your feet runs cold And when you're trying to hold it in once more Let it go, let it go And it's okay not to know where you're going Or lack of fuel fixation You can't see it with your eyes But what you feel is supplication Sensation on sensation Can it be without the patience? I think not, you say what I lay Front ways, I'm done with all these front ways And if all of us matter In the equal In the system And why you run the water cloudy by the postcode I don't know about this post-mode Post-colonial Post-racism post the flying ways away only truth I want to see only truth I am accepting for young minds we are affecting and their dreams should be reflected and then instead we stay deflecting in the depths of the how to like this be that I wish Elijah could have lived to see that we're building for a new life In the future, yes, we must thrive Our past, yes, we once thrived I wish all the ones that died on our front lines Could live to see we moving past these front times I know they see we moving past these front times And it's a feeling, not a vision And a love for your people No, a love for yourself We used to pray by the auto and the rain will run scarce Now we run to the river when the heart's bound to tear Dialogues on 3CR with me, Meg Kimber, and I'm, I have the great pleasure of talking with Soreti Kadir today. Um, have I missed your middle name, Soreti? No. That's uh, okay? Yeah, it's okay. Cool. I just added that recently. Ah, yes. okay. Right. Um, and that was her work, Soul of Your Feet which I had the pleasure of seeing live as part of Melbourne Poetry and Spoken Word Festival recently, which is where we were we met. lucky and blessed <laughs> to have met. Um, it's a very beautiful poem, a piece of spoken word and a collaboration that you've made 
with a musician, is that right? Yeah, with Motley. He's a rapper and producer and creative practitioner. Works cross community and just at home is doing everything. Mm. It's a very moving piece of work, and thank you. It brings up something I was thinking about after I saw you, and something that I wanted to uh, ask you about, mm. which is this sense of um, that your your work evokes a real sense of presence Mm. like a felt experience for myself and my friend who I was with that night also said um that it's more than being a a member of an audience um consuming some kind of um performance it feels like there is such a kind of grounded uh presence and awareness there do you purposefully (laughs) don't make me cry (laughs) um do you purposefully cultivate that thank you so much for your words and sharing that with me means so much Mm. um it's really humbling to hear because it is i I want it to be more than a consumptive experience on behalf of Mm. the audience you know Mm mm-hmm I don't purposely cultivate it as much as it has grown into my practice over time. And this piece, I could say the whole collection, but really this piece was the first time that I really wrote from a place of uncensored, raw feeling and recorded from that place as Mm -hmm. well. And every it carries that resonance every time that I perform it and Mm. it's the power of what we do as creatives and what I'm so blessed to keep experiencing as a poet as someone who can perform live for people of allowing ourselves to feel really feel and telling ourselves and each other that it is not in any way a shameful thing to say no to numbness you know mm. it's it's mm. not what makes you strong it's mm. not what makes you brave is to not feel things or to feel things for a second and say i'm over it really mm. what makes you strong and brave is to feel an emotion know its thorns and then sit there and let it keep poking you until it's done telling you what it's supposed to be telling you our emotions I can't speak for the whole world but I kind of feel like it works the same way for me and you but they carry so many messages you know Mm -hmm. they carry so many of our truths they show us what matter they show us what we need to let go of Mm. they show us a direction in which which we can go Mm. um and that as I've allowed myself to feel more in my work and express more feeling in my work and not curating as much what needs to be felt and just allowing my gift of words to elevate what is coming through me, which is what mm. happens when mm. I'm doing this is you see Soretti and you experience Soretti and I'm blessed to be that vessel, but it is as much my practice and what I've invested in as an artist to get to where I am skill level mm. as it is something totally beyond who I am. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's, The highest, you know, we spoke earlier of being this creative and being able to co-create with this incredible energy Mm. that Mm. is is what we are and what we live in. Mm. It's the highest honor to be able to be mediumship for truth in that way. And to be able to give people experience into themselves in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's feeling, eh? Like it's, I was thinking when, you know, we walked out about, happiness again and Mm -hmm. this the you know the the truth that we can't always be happy it's impossible to Mm -hmm. just live your entire life happy Mm -hmm. and it is counteractive also to being the most happy you can be to just try and remain happy (laughs) (laughs) that's so true yeah i think anyone who's tried to just be like now i'm gonna feel happy no matter what Mm. is is definitely 
You set yourself up for a little bit of failure. (laughs) (laughs) You set yourself up for disappointment. Yes. Um, And it's, I feel like it's our ability or giving ourselves that permission. Mm. And we who are in our creative practice right now Mm. are lucky and blessed to have that as guidance to give ourselves that and open up that permission Mm. to say it's okay to freely feel into the depths of the highs and the lows Mm. and it's your ability to be like okay I know that happiness is a state that I'm always capable of that is always allowed to me I have a right to be happy Mm. and then when you need to receive emotion that is absolutely not happy knowing and you're about to come back to that state of happiness with so much more light to give in mm. that in that time, you know. Mm. And I really do feel like even if it's not everybody is going to do poetry in this way or everybody is going to make music in the way that you make music or the way that Beyonce, make, Beyonce makes music or Kendrick Lamar makes music or, you know, AB Original or Sampa the Great or Remy. Mm-hmm. Or people are not going to write the way that um, Alice Walker wrote or Drew Lord wrote or Angela Davis wrote. People are not going to lead in the way that these people led. It's tapping into that inherent creativity that is going to allow you to give yourself and all of us that thing that only you can give us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another area that I was thinking about um, in terms of spoken word, that there's often a, a type of way of speaking Mm. in that performance and um you're you're seeing you the other day and your recent work it has it doesn't have that um it it has a very unique sound Mm. and rhythm was that also something that has happened as part of your practice definitely I started out really reflecting what you just described Uh seeing what spoken word sounds like and presenting my work and delivering it really with that same um countenance that's the word with the same rhythm of yeah um I can even you know it's in my head that there's this really distinct and signature almost style right with spoken Uh word and how you deliver lines yes uh if you were to hear my work previous there's that and there was always that uniqueness that sat in the crevice of even the times where a lot of what I was doing was imitation. Yep. It's been that growing process and me letting go to firstly writing in a way that is much more authentic Mm -hmm. and then uh, this process of recording Mm -hmm. allowed me to see that I can deliver in a way that is very different to what I've ever really been able to deliver uh, so it's been, yeah, it's been a, a process of, and I'm still discovering that voice in a lot of ways. Every yeah. performance is different. Yep. And coming into music mm. is a whole, it's a whole other evolution of how that voice will develop. And, you know, I don't know if you're, you probably are, you're an artist and you know, you're out here at 3CR, but that um, conversation and dialogue around art as activism Mm-hmm. And if you're an artist and even if you speak about things that are social justice orientated, it's making statement about society, you got to do more than just make art to be activism, to be an activist. Uh, and it not to go too much into that dialogue, mm-hmm. but just what we're saying about what you were able to feel mm. and what your friend Yvette was able to feel in my being able to get to the point of where I am as an artist, which has taken the growth that has been out of my control and totally given to me and been my path. Mm. And also the things that I have done to become a better poet mm-hmm. has meant that I can I can be this facilitator for experiences that maybe can make that dormant that we spoke about that so many people walk around just unaware of how much impact they can have on a day-to-day basis through their lives. Mm. Maybe I can make that dormant no longer dormant Mm. just by providing this experience, you know? Mm. Do you feel like it requires effort or something more like grace? Definitely grace. And what does it mean to stay graceful in in, in this time? You know, I, Mm. and I think it's, 
it's just remembering that, that that's something I want for myself. It's not, it's definitely not effort anymore because I love it so much. It, it, mm-hmm. I kind of say I love it like it's separate to me, you know, it's the love in me that is that. Mm-hmm. You spoke about this process of finding your voice and I'm curious about what that involves, what that looks looked like for you. Mm. It um, So I started out spoken word about three years ago and before that I was doing public speaking within the international aid and development context. This was really my expression. Right. Um, I could even say as an artist, although there was not much creative input Mm. regularly the kind of way there is with art Mm. but it was my expressive landscape let's say Mm -hmm. and journeying through that space and shifting in how I felt about being there Mm. coming out I needed a wider space to express about how I was experiencing the world now and Mm. poetry really naturally came into my life. I had always sort of written. Mm -hmm. I had performed a piece once in high school. It was just just that thing in the back of my mind. And I'd always, I had never imagined that I could be a poet or I could be any kind of an artist. It was that, Mm. yes, dope, it's over there though. It's not for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I was really blessed to be able to come into a space that was dedicated to young African creatives based in Nam exploring their creativity and giving platform to be able to express that and at that time I was very becoming very aware of who I was as a black woman black Mm -hmm. person let me say that becoming aware of who I was as a woman came later in its own form and its own journey Um, and so that space you know, it was the kind of safety that I needed then to be able to come into poetry as a whole. And that voice was blessed. It was very quickly received by the community here, mm. the, the poetry community. And within what almost felt like no time, I was able to share on more and more uh, stages and features and open mics mm. uh, for a while. Firstly, became a place of power for me and a place of power that as a young person I was really seeking without knowing that I was seeking. And so it didn't, it wasn't as creatively motivated as my work is now. The creativity wasn't a priority then as it is now. What it was was I had a lot of things to say and a lot of things that I had learned in that time that I was angry about and that I was upset about and that I was... um, just had a lot of feelings and poetry mm-hmm. spoken word was there as a way for me to express them mm-hmm. and speak, just really speak about them. And then with time, about two years in, when was this? Last year I went on a retreat mm-hmm. curated by Luca Lesson in Rhodes, Greece, in his grandfather's village. And it was such a beautiful experience. And it was this time that I really came home to my writing and that all of my work comes from that place that I discovered there. Mm-hmm. And really what happened there that has been so monumental for my development as an artist is I came to a place of stillness mm. and discovered what it meant to be able to be inspired by my experience and narrative and story and identity and all of the things that I see and experience inspired by these things but not have these things consume how it is that I look at the world and then what I produce in this world so it almost it almost gave me um, the beginnings the inklings of a lens of beauty and a lens of grace that Mm. has been expanding ever since then Mm. to look at everything else that I experience in the world Mm. So it was just, it was a new perspective. It was um, the eye. It was it was the eye really said, let me show you the world. <laughs> You've been seeing the world well for now, but until now, but let me really show you what you could be seeing and as a result, what you could be doing with this gift. Um, so that's, and music has been a part of my finding my voice as well and it will still be a part, I really hope this year, to make more music yeah Mm. i would love to hear more of your music really you maybe we can make music together oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) let's stop the interview and start now (laughs) (laughs) um because you you do you sing you Mm. yeah and you have a very resonant beautiful voice thank you Uh, even speaking but also i'm i'm 
singing from if it was you because I've listened to some of your tracks and yeah wondered whether it was you who did the singing as well or were you collaborating with other uh, all um, of all of I have not done any collaborations yet. Yeah, right. Um, so everything that is on my SoundCloud is my voice. Right. And I appreciate you saying that because mm. that's been my biggest insecurity is my voice when I sing. Oh, yeah. So wow. it's that's the that's the journey right now. And it's really funny. Hey, when I get close to it, like I'll be singing in the corner. I sound huh. good. This is good, you know. <laughs> and then I'll come to the microphone either mm. on stage or even in the recording studio and. I have, I don't know, I'm a different human being, really. Yeah. Um, The same human being, but that insecurity (laughs) takes over. Right. Microphones are a funny thing that to stick in front of your face Mm -hmm. when you're trying to really express something Mm -hmm. very honest. And I think um, often there's a different way of doing singing Mm. to a microphone uh, for the process of recording mm. than there is if you are used to singing with other people. Yeah. It's something quite different about it. I have don't know. You, have you had to develop a relationship with the microphone? I have definitely have felt intimidated and remember that being a reason for me not to want to get on stage and mm. do music. Mm. And there was a f- sort of an maybe an ideological or philosophical aspect to it because I feel like music happens in a circle in the way that I like best Mm. if everybody's in on it Mm. and like you said before about we were mentioning about the um, performance and consumption aspect to it Mm. and um, the idea that uh, if you get up on a stage you're like the performer and the other people are there to watch and observe and whatever but they're not there to be a part of it Mm. and I think you know lots of music genres undermine that idea like folk music is about everybody getting in on the act and a lot of folk musicians will get an audience to sing Mm. and you can feel the change in the room when that happens because it stopped being this thing of we're here to watch you do something to this experience of like we're all here doing this, making this together. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's a bit of a digression, but um, that was part of my kind of excuse for why I was like I'm not going to get up on stage Mm. as a musician. But I think another part of it was just a kind of a fear of the microphone and that I had this idea that more accomplished and more experienced and more trained and skilled vocalists or musicians knew how to relate to this instrument of the microphone mm. in a way that I just hadn't been led into yet. Mm. But you, did you feel that when you started doing your poetry? Did you Less when I started doing poetry, definitely when I started doing music. Which is interesting because... Why? What do you think is it the the difference between the spoken word mm. and the sung word? Mm. Yeah, it's definitely the aspect of having the music there for me. It was with spoken word. Now there's music behind it because my relationship to it has changed so much over time. But mm. when I started, and I started rapping, like that was my entrance into music. Mm-hmm having a beat there was the most like I was almost in competition with this beat like I had to learn to rap on a beat yeah and I surprised myself with this because I was getting all this feedback and I also thought for myself like I almost do rap when I'm doing spoken word or it's got Mm -hmm. a a rap rhythm to it it shouldn't be too hard to Mm -hmm. just do that with a beat but the music is a whole element of itself Mm. that needs to be acknowledged and respected as something that has also been created by someone who had a vision creatively and came from a place of emotion and feeling and experience for this person yeah you can't like I can't just as a as a rapper or as a vocalist be like it's it's you know it's 20 percent of this experience Mm -hmm. and it was so it was a real shift I had to check myself and come into a collaboration with this music and allow it to be half of what I'm doing and Mm. know that it's it's lifting me in this process it's not something that I need to 
fight to be heard on top of, yep. uh, which was the vibe at the beginning. Huh. Mm. Interesting. Um, because in, a, in that sense, as a spoken word artist, you're solo. Yeah. And as a musician or rapper or singer, unless you're singing alone, I guess. Yeah. But it, yeah, unless, like, if you're a musician, you're singing, I guess if you're singing acoustic, like uh, a cappella, yeah. you're good. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> if you're, and I think people, it's interesting, hey, because being solo, musicians or rappers sometimes see this as like the more vulnerable thing and the more difficult thing like you don't have something to cover you you don't have this music then I've heard this a lot Mm. whereas for me the more vulnerable thing is sharing this space without questioning myself too much and knowing that all is equal and all is okay in this moment and Mm. um you know being responsible for each other but really not everybody's independent mm. just this collaboration and the the grace of this collaboration for me is the more vulnerable thing mm. um especially when you're not you don't have speak like you can't you know when you're collaborating as a team for a project something's not working you just talk to each other like mm-hmm. the communication is what we're taught to be the most effective communication is just speaking to each other mm-hmm. whereas with when you're musicking with each other and you're in a band or mm-hmm. um you know you have a a beat or when you're in a in a, in a studio with a producer mm. yeah you can speak in a studio with a producer for sure but it's yep. more trusting feelings that you have yep. and like trusting that other people can also understand your communication of these mm. feelings without as many words mm. um and be it's a much more delicate process in, mm. in my opinion and from what i've experienced and it's that's the more vulnerable thing for me. Um, yeah. It's, is it something that uh, that's a crucial part of the development of your unique voice? Is mm. li- like if you have in the process, did you have beats or music of some kind mm. and a poem that you said in a particular way, mm. which when you stopped and really listened to the music – you were like, this music wants me to say this poem mm. this way. That happened? Yeah, it did happen. And it happened kind of with Soul of Your Feet, uh-huh. sort of both ways. So that track that we just heard, that was one take, just come into the studio, hyped up. We say hyped up, I wasn't like energetic, but just really in emotion. Mm. And previously what we had written for Soul of Your Feet and what we had said we were going to record that day. Um, Motley had made some adjustments to the beat and which is the music that you had heard then. Mm. Um, so, But then when I was speaking and when we were recording over that music, the music is what made it. It is what took me to where the piece really, really went. Uh, I had written a lot of it on the way in, which was different to what we had mm. written previously and changed the beat in accordance to like it was all um yeah that that music really carried it Mm. in a way that it would have sounded and now even when I do it without the music Mm. that melody is just it's there it's it's that's what it is Mm -hmm. Mm. you do it the the way that you Mm. co-created it almost Mm. with that music Mm. Mm -hmm. it sounds like the move from the poetry space and then you had this experience in Greece doing Mm. um going quite deep into your motivation and that stillness Mm. that you speak about it sounds like rather than being a progression it was like quite a sudden thing if you Mm. went away and then came back and I'm just wondering how the your community um responded to that Mm. change in quality Yeah, yeah it was um it was really sudden, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Remember, I went into the studio with Motley and when I left, it was actually supposed to be a music project, Pride's Claw. And then I was like, nah, it's all poetry now mm-hmm. from here. And this is like, this is the poems I want to I wanna do. And we did them. And he was like, what happened? <laughs> and uh-huh. there was a talk I did called I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings Curated. Uh. 
by Pierre and Teresa at RMIT. And at that talk afterwards, a friend had come up to me and said, wow, you're really different. You're you're much more, like, he was a bit concerned because he's like, you're, you're much more soft-spoken and you're much mm. more considered in the way that you speak. Um, and the resonance, he didn't mention the resonance of the poetry, but there was similar feedback of this, that the resonance of the poetry was different. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you were... The fact that I had, and I called this an era in my own lifespan as a poet, as an artist, mm. the fact that I had stepped into a new era um, of of expression totally as a being was uh, noticed. And in some ways, I was myself scared when mm. I came back, like, yeah. uh, who am I now, mm-hmm. really? And mm. how do I navigate all of this newness and that's a beautiful question in life and Mm. if there ever could be an answer for me I'm sitting quite content with with knowing that I am as many things as I am not I just am and we just are and I am the moment and you know in that moment my friend observing this considered this somber this soft-spoken was what I was in that time and another time you may see me speak Mm. and I might be yelling down your throat that's totally (laughs) cool (laughs) um yeah, it was it was well received though, you know. Mm. I think we, people are very excited to see each other grow and not long ago, about a week ago I had a gig uh with a friend invited me Natasha Janelle Benny Lola she's known as and she was we were reflecting on how she had seen me when I was performing my first mm. you know, the first era of work, Sugar Canes and um a whole yeah a whole bunch of poems around that time and seeing this time now uh and it's you know it's a beautiful exchange to be able to observe each other like mm-hmm. that yeah and it's um it's unrealistic to think that we won't grow and change mm-hmm. whether just as people or specifically as artists mm-hmm. and you're right it is exciting if we can look back and go ah oh, that's how i used to do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and this is where i'm at now <laughs> and, right. you know um I was just thinking about, you know, we talked earlier about navigating this balance between being present and still with people yeah. as they experience pain or sickness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or, you know, mm. all these other things, uh, just these vibrations that we may not necessarily be in ourselves, but we can empathize and know what it feels like to be there. Mm. And I was thinking of uh, a process within uh, my culture or mm. Oromo culture that when someone passes away, you have uh, what's called a boya, which literally means a cry. Oh. And people gather, your whole community come together for maybe two, three days yeah. and they literally just cry with you and they sit in silence with you and your house is packed full of people. And This is someone who's, it's like their job to come and... No, no, no. Oh, this it's like the whole everybody com- who cared... Yeah, everybody. Even if you don't really like, I've been to boyas who I don't really know who the person is. My family might know them distantly, but out of respect, you come. Right, and it geographically was practiced differently. I imagine there. So like now, because we're much fewer people where we are, you know, you're coming for people you might not really know personally. Yeah, but I was just thinking about how, you know, we can hold stillness for each other where we're at collectively right now, Mm -hmm. and. You know, thinking about my brother who was expressing to me this this anger and this hate that he felt inside him towards this system mm. and how our progress or becoming a more compassionate world and people is so deeply linked in not you know, not saying that to feel one thing or another thing is more right or more appropriate. Mm-hmm. And that goes both ways, eh? Like if you're feeling at a at a you know something that is anger, or just not saying that this means that another person cannot be happy, you know, and vice versa. Just this constant com- emotional communication between us that I feel like creativity enhances mm-hmm. um, is vital. That's what I wanted to add. <laughs> It's a beautiful point to end on because it's what this program is about, Mm. getting deeper into the conversations about how we meet each other. Mm. I'm so touched that you could be on the show today and I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you so much for having me. 
You've been listening to Dialogues on 3CR Community Radio 855 AM. You can download the podcast by searching for Dialogues on your podcast app. And email us on dialogues3cr at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Just search Dialogues 3CR.